Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Hi, today my guest is Carol Crossan, who is a constitutional lawyer and the president of Rights and Freedom Advocate. It's so good to have you with us today, Carol. Hi, Leon. So glad to be with you. Now, I just heard you do an address a few months ago uh, to a group of leaders, and uh, you were so passionate about people need to stand up for their rights. They need to stand up and that if people continue to try to just duck and hope it won't touch them, they're mistaken. Talk to me about that. Well, I think that's the best foot forward, Leon. I know Canadians, we're, we're polite, we're good people, we're decent people, and we don't fight about every scrap. But I think the time has come for us to fight. The time has come to stand. And I think some of the erosion in our society has come from uh, being a little more hesitant to fight. Now we're seeing Canadians stand like they have never stood before. And it's, it's exciting for me to see it. Yeah, I think, I think that the, uh, the Freedom Convoy, for example, has given so many people hope and uh, what do you think is going to happen with all those trucks around the Parliament Hill? Well, I don't know. I mean, from what you hear from their side, they just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's understandable. I mean, most of the work that I have done in my career has been on free speech. And free speech, of course, is the cornerstone of a democracy because people just want to have a voice. They just want to be heard. And their message from what I have heard is exactly that. They just want to be heard. They have a right to be heard. And it, it's unfortunate where there isn't civil debate on these issues in regard to vaccine mandates. Yeah, there used to be, I mean, even television had shows where you'd have one side and a, a sharp person with this way of looking at it and another person and man, they don't want anybody to speak up at all. I know. And, and, you know, back throughout history, the idea that the muzzling of speech is taking a position of infallibility, that I don't need to discuss this because my position is infallible. Well, none of our positions are infallible. We can learn no matter what our position is with engaging with the other side. It can even strengthen our position when we understand theirs, but it's a, it's a fatal mistake not to engage in civil debate. And I think that that mistake has aroused the Canadian public. And it's, it's so exciting to see. I don't think I have ever been so proud to be Canadian in all my life to see people just simply standing for freedom. Yeah, it's, you know, we've got a, a team on the ground in Parliament Hill, and so we're doing we're doing uh, interviews all during the day, and then every, uh, around supper time, dinner time, uh, we do a live, and the guys just walk around and talk, and they show everybody uh, what's happening, and people are surprised, because mainstream media is demonizing this thing. They'll go shoot one little problem that we can't even find. And uh, it's like there is this massive push from mainstream media to not allow anyone to look good as they speak up. And, and as a lawyer, you're a constitutional lawyer. And I, I love what you're saying because 
if we do not speak up, and I like the fact that you don't have to be right, just get up and, and share your opinion and engage, because otherwise the people who are talking, they just win by default in, in a democracy, don't you think? Well, and, and it is surprising when media takes a position where one side should be muzzled, because the very, the very principle, you know, underlining the free press is that there should be civil debate. There should be opinions on either side. And so, so that's troubling. I mean, you don't have to agree or disagree with vaccines to stand up for freedom. You don't have to take a stance on a medical treatment to stand up for freedoms. Because doesn't a person wonder if today you're being compelled to take a medical treatment, what about tomorrow on something else? So you may have a different opinion on vaccines and that's not many people. It's not their concern. Their concern is freedom is just free choice. The right to take a position on something, the right to make your own decisions. That's what's behind a lot of the talk right now. Can't we just stand for our own right to make our decisions? Yeah. A lot of people are saying, Hey, just get vaccinated already and you can be free. And you know, and you think you think about that and you go, if you obey the mandate to get a vaccination to be free, haven't you handed off your freedom to someone else to decide continually when you're free and what you need to do? I know. And what does that implicate for tomorrow? What does it implicate tomorrow for every Canadian? If today they must obey this, what will they have to obey tomorrow? And I, I think we have, in some circumstances, lost touch with foundational principles. The foundational principle, the libertarian or even small l liberal principle that throughout the, the last hundreds of years has been brought to the forefront has been the individual, the rights of the individual. So that they have those rights and those rights are precious. And that's what our charter, of course, was founded on, is individual rights. Justice McLaughlin, years ago, as she then was justice and not chief justice, said the charter is for the people. It's not for government, but the charter is for the people. It's so people and they have a right against government, have individual liberties. And if we lose that, what does that mean for tomorrow, Leon? So I'm so proud to see people all across this country, not just the truckers, but so many people. There are many people who are have chosen to become vaccinated, and that's their choice, who are also standing right now for freedom. Carol, what is this tension about group rights and individual rights. So many people think the group rights are more important than individual rights. That's exactly what the charter is for, is under the charter, each right is, is bespoken on behalf of an individual. An individual has the right under section 2B to freedom of expression. An individual has a right under section 2A to religious freedom. We have a right to freedom of association, freedom of assembly, and most importantly on this issue under section seven, we have a right, each individual has a right to life, liberty and security. And the last time the Supreme Court of Canada examined section seven on that issue, it was on the, the issue of euthanasia where the court said, in regard to medical treatments, an individual must exercise informed consent 
They have the right to exercise informed consent and not be compelled against their will to engage or not engage in a medical treatment. So we have to respect that now. If the charter is meaningful, Leon, and I believe it is, it's important from my perspective to go to court and to argue that, to, to urge the court to hearken back to what the charter was designed to do. And it was designed to protect every single Canadian, no matter what they decide on the vaccine, that they have a right to decide for it or against it. And if we lose that, I worry about tomorrow. So censorship is a big issue when, uh, I mean, if we have all of these rights and the government says we are in emergency mode here uh, and they're going to put our rights aside, can they do that? Just give me a quick look at, because uh, a lot of us aren't lawyers and it just looks like this tangle of are you know are they is what is what the government doing proper the premiers the prime minister when it comes to the mandates and stuff what's your answer to that well let me answer what i think you asked first which was about censorship and censorship is always a concern because who is the arbiter of what's right and wrong the supreme court has come out on this many years ago in alberta on a on a case called alberta reference case where the premier passed uh, legislation which was designed to prohibit the media from sharing uh, news unless the uh, politicians decided it was accurate. And then a further case that Justice McLaughlin ruled on Holocaust deniers that it's not the place of government to decide what's true or false. And in fact, who can, who can accurately determine that, Leon? Who is in the place to decide what's proper information and what's misinformation? And I think honing in on that has been very dangerous on the purpose of the government, which seems to be getting a lot of people vaccinated. As soon as some people, their spidey sense goes up and they, they feel that they're not getting full information, they're, they're hesitant. And that's very understandable. If the full information is out there, they can make an informed choice. And on that basis, I think some people have, have steered away. But then you asked second about has it been right for the government to proceed in the manner that they have? I guess the question that I've asked all along is how far is government willing to go to achieve its purpose? So if, let's say, the government has a, a a noble purpose or a, a valid public purpose. Uh, that's the, the court's term, a valid public purpose. And let's suppose that valid public purpose during these mandates has been safety and security, health, safety and security. Well, how far will government go to achieve their purpose. At first, government said, well, we would never mandate this. I mean, that was that across the nation, we heard that from government officials. We would never mandate it because, you know, Trudeau said, I think Jason Kenney said, because that would be entrenching upon the rights of Canadians. So we won't go there. But now they have their tune changed. And if you're in government evaluating how far will I go into someone's life? How intrusive will I be in order to achieve my purpose? And is there another way around intruding on people to that extent to achieve my purpose? 
I think they should have been asking that question. I think their answer should have been, we will not take any length to achieve our purpose. You know, I often tell people that we don't vote people into government because we think they're smarter than us. And there's a contingency of people who, you know, they think they are. No, no, we're all intelligent people. And so we put them in there, in my mind, for a lot of reasons. But one of them is to protect the freedoms uh, that we have. And I think a lot of them forget as they become leaders and they get this sense of, I know what should be done, that anything they say publicly, we can check out with the greatest minds in the world online. Say something medical, I can get into the Mayo. Uh, John Hopkins, I can get to uh, other great hospitals and thinkers around the world. Give us, like, it's as never before citizens are probably, they have more access to go find out what is true uh, when it comes to some of these decisions. So it's shocking to me that there is this drive to censor and that there's a whole group of people that won't even go and find their own information if the government won't give it to you on their decision. Yes, I know. It's shocking to many Canadians. When when uh, the vaccines were first coming out many, many months ago, and I started to see censorship, you know, as a free speech lawyer, that's when I start to get suspicious. Why am I not getting all the information? And I know you say it's available. I agree with you. But it's, it's not as readily available no. as one might think because of the censorship. You go on YouTube and other platforms. If you say what their what, fact checkers, Facebook, uh, which now they've said it's not really fact checking. If, if, if you say what they think is wrong in their minds, misinformation, then that, that message is removed. And so it's more difficult than we would hope That's true. to get full information. You know, I've noticed that the more security people want in their lives, like keep me safe, keep me healthy, uh, the more freedoms they have to give up. Do you think that's true? I guess it's, it's what you uh, would describe as safety and security. I think we are in society. I know a number of speakers have said we're more averse to risk than we've ever been. But I think it's what risks you're willing to accept. To me, uh, as a constitutional lawyer, there's a big risk when you lose your liberty. That bleeds into every, or could, every aspect of your life. And so you're right, it's, it's, it's risk on one hand, as far as perhaps health risk, let's describe it that way. And on the other hand, are you willing to sacrifice your liberty? Because down the road, I think many will regret that. And that's why I'm so proud of people standing right now. I, I'm telling you, Leon, I, I have spoken to since the mandates have come out, we, we counted them by email or by phone about 10 to 12,000 people. And I see a pattern. These are people who generally, they just want to be informed. They're looking into things. They don't necessarily, many of them have an opinion on the vaccines per se, but they are concerned about their freedom. And they're people who are willing to 
stand up, even though it's difficult to stand up for their freedom. It's really exciting to see in the heart of Canadians. What's going on in the courts? Because people are saying to me, Leon, there's nothing happening in the courts. We haven't got any wins. Like It's like even what's happening there has been censored. And, and how do we know what's happening there? Feel me a little bit about what's going on legally across Canada. Right. Well, I don't want to pretend like I'm the only person who's doing work across the country because no. there's so many good people doing so much good work. But from my perspective, the work I'm involved in has been uh, often standing up on 2A or 2B of the Charter, freedom of religion and free speech. And we've had some such exciting cases on that. Uh, I've been involved in dilemmas with professors across the country where the professors get in trouble with their universities for, for example, the last one for speaking out or even asking questions on critical race theory. Uh, professor prior to that, who simply corresponded with the individuals at his university about the issue of uh, critical race theory, or he used the N word in the correspondences to say, we should be able to have a good discussion about this. We should be discussing these issues. And there was trouble afoot on that score. Uh, I was in court on behalf of a medical student at the University of Manitoba over the past while. We won a fabulous ruling this past fall on that issue. Uh, my client, Raphael Zaki, posted some uh, pro-gun links from just speeches in the States and a pro-life post on his social media, his personal social media, and he got in trouble at the college. The college scrutinized that, and uh, he was eventually expelled on the basis of unprofessional conduct because he wouldn't apologize well enough for what he posted. So he was willing to apologize for uh, that he could have said things better, that maybe he offended people, but he wouldn't recant his pro-life belief. My client is a Coptic Christian. His parents hail from Egypt. They emigrated, his mother a doctor in Winnipeg, his father a pharmacist. They came to Canada to find religious freedom. That's ironic. And then their son was expelled because he wouldn't apologize well enough in recanting for his pro-life beliefs. So for the first time in Manitoba, the court said that the charter applies on university campuses on, on, because Raphael Zaki went to court. The charter uh, applies differently in different jurisdictions. A lot of people find that surprising as far as to uh, whether it protects students on campuses. And so for the first time in Manitoba, the court has ruled that the charter applies there. We're in court right now on Canada summer jobs at the Federal Court of Appeal because the lower court said no big deal when certain groups are barred from getting summer student job funding because they won't say they respect abortion. No big deal. So we're in court over that. And I think these cases are important in the cases of of associates of mine across the country, they're important because we have to get this before the courts. We have to engage in the public dialogue. And for me, Leon, there's no option. One has to fight. You have to fight these things because you're standing up for people, people who have principles, who simply want to be treated equally alongside with everyone else, have the right to make their choices, 
have the right to share their beliefs. That's it. You know, countries are great because of freedom, because to me, it's only in freedom that creativity and the giftedness in every individual comes forth and society advances and grows. Um, the second that somebody decides they have the right to censor and determine whether what you say is correct or incorrect and then censor it, uh, this it, that adds so much fear because you've got to make your career work without being shut down or, you know, attacked on social media. And so the fear that is rampant in so many areas, I find that a lot of the fear that I talk with people about isn't about um, a virus. It's trying to navigate mandates, government, law, people's opinions, uh, you know, are they going to attack me on my social media? Are they going to make people stop doing business with me? Like the problems people are dealing with are those that it's almost like the majority aren't even worrying about a virus. It's how we walk through the time that we're in right now. Are you finding a lot of the same when you deal with people? Yeah, that's for sure. I'm seeing a lot of tragedy. I'm seeing people wrestle with, you know, people that have very serious health issues. I have a, a group of physicians that I represent. I've spoken to many, many healthcare workers. I delivered a letter to Alberta Health Services back in September on behalf of 3,500 healthcare workers in Alberta. Their names were on that open letter saying, we, we are against vaccine mandates, not vaccines, but we're against vaccine mandates because they've been all put in a terrible position. They want to help people, but they also want to have the choice to uh, engage in a medical treatment. So on the one hand, I'm seeing a lot of devastation, but on the other hand, I am seeing such strength. And one of the things that I usually say to people when I'm talking to them, because there's, there's fear, We've all experienced, I'm sure you have, Leon, I have too. Everyone I talk to, as you say, is encountering fear. But I always tell them, you're stronger than you think you are. We have never had a challenge like this on Canadian soil. We never have. So in some ways, we're being trained to get stronger. And I know I've, I've heard of studies where they study people's brains and they look for the area of the brain called, I've, I've heard it described as contingency thinking. And years ago, when they studied the brain, uh, years ago, they've seen that pioneers especially have that area of their, their brain developed. That area is for if and then thinking. So your ability to adjust to circumstances. But if you haven't encountered a lot of hardship, that when they study your brain, that area of the brain is not very well developed, but it develops with hardship. And so people need not be overwhelmed with this crisis. I think we're strong enough to take it on and to know that every day we can get stronger. That really encourages me. And it's not like I haven't experienced the devastation, even in our own personal circles. We have seen it. But but Leon, we're up for it. We're Canadian. Do you know the kind of winters we go through here? Do you know the kind of people we are? We are up for this. We are brave individuals in Canada. And, and I'm seeing that every day. One of the things I've noticed is that leaders, they, 
They make a mistake when you simply try to see which way the wind is blowing and you don't lead on principle. Um, I remember a famous coach, Pat Riley, I think it was, saying that if you listen to the stands too much, you'll soon be in them. And of course, I understand the balance here, uh, but we can't compromise on our rights and our freedoms. And so I really, everywhere I go, I'm telling people, okay, we need leaders to stand up with courage and wisdom. I don't just follow people who are courageous. I want to see wisdom because courage can be a blip, but courage with wisdom is something that will rally people and say, okay, let's, let's get up and speak up. I think courage without wisdom is recklessness. We cannot be reckless. And that means to go ahead without thought or caution. I think courage with wisdom is boldness. And that is what we need right now. We need boldness, not recklessness. But we do need to stand. And so often people will say, well, no, let's, let's try and compromise. And I think sometimes we get into that land of appeasement. And you know what Churchill said about appeasement? He said that appeasement is like feeding the crocodile hoping that he will eat you last. <laughs> it, the time for that is over. Yeah. Isn't it exciting to see how many people are saying that? Yes. You're saying it, I'm saying it, but we're not the only ones. There's people across this country who are saying, isn't it time to stand on principle? They're calling politicians to stand on principle. You know, to stand up in today's world, I know there might be a cost, whether it is somebody that tries to smear you, uh, cancel you, uh, it might be how you earn your income or it might affect your job. Um, and I'm not making light of that. But when we look at the freedoms that we have because young men and women gave their lives uh, for these freedoms and we're worried about hurting Facebook or Instagram account or maybe even finding another job, although I am not you know, look, you know, making light of that, but it's nowhere near as important as what, as you were saying earlier, what's gonna happen down the road if we give up our freedoms. And uh, so this is really crucial to me and I think to many others. And I feel that, well, well I'll ask you, what would you say to just the average person like me and others who would say, how can we stand up um, so that Canada can see courageous, bold people? What should we all be doing? I tell them, well, I am not you. You can do things that I could never do because everyone has their circle. You know, there's no waves without ripples and everyone can make a ripple today. They have their own circles. I'm very glad about what lawyers can do, but we're just lawyers. We have limited ability. There are activists out there who are doing great, great work. And they might not all, uh, all lawyers might not do the same thing. We shouldn't. All activists may not do the same thing. We sh they shouldn't because we all have different niches that we're in, different communities, different ideas. It's really exciting, but you have to find what's my arena? What am I suited for? And, and me, I went into law as a third career. So I am not a lawyer who has been a lawyer for you know their whole career life. I came to law a number of years ago when I stood in my kitchen with other people who were similar to me and we said, 
something's going wrong in society. This is about 15 years ago. There's a turn in society and it's very concerning. It was behind a corner. It was in the dark. You couldn't tell what shape that change was going to take, but it was concerning. And so I thought, what tools do I have that I can stand against this turn in society? If I describe it in any way, it was a turn towards intolerance. And uh, the only skill I knew I had, and my husband for sure knew I had, Leon, was I can argue. I mean, he knew. I was great at it. So lovely fool that he is, he paid for me to go to law school to argue better. He's never won a fight since. Uh, But I thought to myself, sort of like David and Goliath, what's, what's the tool I have in my hand? What sling do I have in my hand? What can I use? The problem might be big, but what's the little thing that I can do? And I'm not suggesting I do anything big. I'm just saying I'm trying to apply my skills to what I can do to fight for freedom. Everybody has a sling that they can use. So I encourage them, go look for it. I have no more power than you do. It's it's what's your circle and what's the sling, the tool that you have to make a change. Yeah, that's so true. Well, man, our time went by quick and uh, this was excellent. Thank you so much uh, for just meeting with me. And I'd like to talk again because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things down the road we're going to have to talk about. Thanks so much, Carol. Thanks, Leon. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.